What number is this, Chip? Episode 91, Happy Zilchiversary, Monkey's News, and Side 2 of Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys. Boy, that's a jam-packed show, right? Mm-hmm. I guess Go we'll ahead. have to say, and more. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short, I say. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Welcome to Zilch, your podcast full of monkeys. I'm one of your hosts here today. I'm Ken Mills, and I am joined by Sarah Clark. Hey, everybody. And I'm also joined by Christine Carlson Wolf. Welcome. Hello, hello. Boy, oh boy, coming hot off of last episode. A lot of great reaction from listeners about the roundtable for birds, the bees, and the monkeys side one. And we're going to give it to you again today, right? Absolutely. I'm looking forward to this. But before all that, I'd like to wish everybody a happy zilch anniversary. We turned three in the merry, merry month of May. And it's just fantastic getting a bunch of responses from folks. Glad that we're out there. Some people said some very sweet things, and I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I know I speak for, you know, on behalf of myself and the group, everybody involved here. Oh, yeah. We seriously thank you, and we want to thank the monkeys. And we want to thank Rhino and everybody that's ever been a guest on the show as well. It's been absolutely v- yep. very cool, very cool. And, and thank you for all the responses, letting us know that you're out there. It really means a lot. And we've had a record number of downloads since 2017. It's just off the charts. Who knew we, we were so big in Russia? I know. <laughs> How many was that again? <laughs> ridiculous it was insane the amount of downloads this year it's like they they just discovered us so hello everybody out there hello everybody out there uh all around the world it's we we do know that you are listening and we are glad that you are part of us right oh yeah there you go well we would just want to thank you for coming along on the ride maybe this is your first episode of zilch and i hope you enjoy it Welcome to the show. Well, now it's time to check out some Monkey's News. Well, first up, in advance of its June 2nd release date, Ian Lee of 7A Records has been teasing us with shots of their new CD, Listen to the Bands. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this tribute album because it looks gorgeous. In addition to the CD itself, which boasts 25 tracks, we've been seeing some photos from the booklet, which apparently includes some great rare photos of Davy Jones. And I I know a few people have already been able to listen to bits or or gotten advanced copies, and I am just so excited to hear this thing because it just sounds wonderful. Yes, it's fantastic. What an exciting project. And it's it's Monkeys fans for Monkeys fans. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, all the love of the monkeys coming out. Everything I've heard off of this so far has just been exemplary. Yeah. The thing that blows my mind about it is when you mention it is by monkeys fans, mm-hmm. put that together with the fact that Wayne Avers 
contributed mm-hmm. a track. And Chip Douglas is on one of the tracks as yeah. well. So, Monkey's fans. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, love I love that. Fantastic. <laughs> and in other Monkey's news, Summer of Love advertised as a collection highlighting the psychedelic side of the monkeys will be released on July 18th, 2017. It will be available on both red and white splatter vinyl and compact disc. It's got a really groovy cover, kind of looks like the monkeys and heads swimming about. Track listing for both the LP and the CD is Pleasant Valley Sunday, She, Porpoise Song, Words, Star Collector, Birth of an Accidental Hipster, it's cool to see that on a compilation, Take a Giant Step, Love is Only Sleeping, Randy Scouse Kit, Tapioca Tundra, Saturday's Child, and For Pete's Sake. So very cool. Celebrate the anniversary of the Summer of Love with Mickey Dolenz from the Monkees, Mark Lindsay, former lead singer of Paul Revere and the Raiders, and the Fab Four. The 50 Summers of Love Tour, coming your way. Elsewhere in Monkey's News this week, on May 14, there was a really cool event in Winchester, Virginia. The Alamo Draft House there, in conjunction with something called Film Club 3.0, had a screening of the movie Head. And a couple of our zilchers were there. Sharon Munson was uh, there and handing out zilch buttons to the crowd. She even, (laughs) this is becoming a common thing here, she even had to uh, de-button herself. She gave up her very personal Mm -hmm. zilch button because the the demand was greater than the supply. So Sharon, I owe you a button or two. Uh, thank you for being our representative there. I appreciate that. While she was doing that uh, out in the crowd, a fellow Zilcher and event MC, Lisa Gullickson, from the In the Mouth of Darkness podcast, also mm-hmm. known as ItMod, she introduced the film. The next day, Lisa and her husband appeared on ItMod, the podcast, to recap the event and discuss the film, and they were kind enough to give Zilch a shout-out. Yay! Yeah, it was very nice. Once again, thank everybody over at the In the Mouth of Dorkness podcast, and their mission, once again, is to bring a bit of dorkness into your life. So check out the ItModcast podcast. They are available on Facebook, and wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Awesome. 
And speaking of shout-outs, Al Bigley and Al, Alan Williams from the Texas Prairie Chicken Home Companion recently featured a radio interview that Alan took part in with Mike Nesmith for his Infinite Tuesday release. Wow. As a walk-up to that segment, Alan spoke with Arrow Collins from rbeats.com about TPCHC and a certain <clears throat> other Monkeys podcast. Let's listen in. That's a groovy button. What does it say? Hey, it's Arrow. I'm very pleased to introduce one half of the team that's pretty much brought a monkeys podcast. <laughs> I'm not talking about chimps. I'm talking about monkeys. That would be a double E at the end. That's right. They, hey, hey, we are the... <laughs> we are the monkeys. How, how did this really start? Well, to be honest, let me just clarify one thing first. It's not the only... There are about four or five monkeys podcasts. There's one out there that's called Zilch, a monkeys podcast. Ken Mills, who is the uh, director, he also does a KISS podcast. He does three or four, and he's very passionate about the monkeys he has been very, this, he's helped us get started on this. We're up to episode number eight now, as soon as my partner Al Bigley gets those done. And if you haven't heard it yet, we really encourage you to check out the TPCHC podcast. If nothing else, the name, you know? Texas right. Prairie Home <laughs> Companion Podcast. And we love everybody out there who's doing monkeys podcasting we're just so glad to see that this is happening everybody from sounds of the sunset sounds of the sea craig smith and and megan stem wade just check them out they're fantastic they break down each track it is just amazing part of the pods and sods network and of course dave galvin's we want the monkeys and we'll be putting parts of we want the monkeys actually in upcoming zilch episodes so he's kind yeah. of joining the family in that way so thank you once again, Alan. It was so cool that someone actually mentioned Zilch to Mike. Right. I know. <laughs> that is both cool and a little unnerving, but. <laughs> I suspect it's not the first time he's heard our name. <laughs> I just tell myself he's busy chasing the squirrels out of his socks. and Exactly, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's no time to listen to our silly show. <laughs> We would also like you to check out another podcast that we're doing here, and it is called Pop, a pop culture podcast. The staff includes myself, Ken Mills, Courtney Cronin Dold, a huge Monkees fan, and our beloved Christine the Button Queen. Right, Christine? <laughs> so check us out. Do a search on iTunes. If you can't find Pop, a pop culture podcast, do a search for Pop Staff. And please uh, find us there. Download that show. And we also have a Facebook page that you should check out. And the last tidbit in Monkey's News this week comes from none other than Andrew Sandoval, who has been busy in the studio working on the More of the Monkeys Super Deluxe Edition, and he's been actively tweeting about his discoveries. Um, first tweet that I saw, he said, Hearing I'm a believer in mono from tape for the first time in 50 years. Mm. <laughs> just kind of, I just kind of sat back in my chair and let that wash over me and think, damn, he's a lucky guy. So he subsequently confirmed that he was still finding new to him master tapes, which included I'm a Believer, Andrew Griselda, and an alternate instrumental take for Sometime in the Morning. Hmm. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that one intrigues me. Yeah, he, me too. He revealed that the set is going to include the original mono and the original stereo album mixes and some remixed stereo tracks and twitter user shazamaholic i love that name me too 
asked if Andrew could confirm rumors of a possible follow-up to Good Times, and Andrew replied, quote, There's nothing to confirm at this time. Now, hmm. the optimist in me hears, I'm not denying the rumor, and I'm clinging to the phrase, at this time. So, wouldn't that be something? In John Hughes, we trust. That's right. Well, let's hope that something is happening along those lines. But even if that's not the case, what a way to go out with good times, huh? Oh, yeah. I'm not complaining. But no, 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 no. I mean, it, it, it would be hard to top good times. Oh. But if anybody could do it, dot, dot, dot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, we look forward to come what may. Great bunch of news. Thank you both. So here we are, getting ready for Jeff Hewlett and his crew to do the entire album. We're just going to kind of run through this ourselves because there's no way I'm not talking about this, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Ditto. Yes. And yes, some things may be repeated, folks, because we're Monkees fans. Some people love and dislike the same things. So, like I said, there's no way you're not hearing my big mouth on this one. <laughs> so let's let's go around the three of us as we do our mini round table. At this, it's very small. We can, it's, it's more like a footstool that we could all stand on. <laughs> wrong album. <laughs> yeah, wrong album. Yeah. The first track on side two is "I'll Be Back Upon My Feet." which has all the energy of an album opener, but I can see why they didn't put it on the first side, because I'll be back up on my feet. So thematically, it's the weirdo in me, knowing that I'm designing an album for side two, I wouldn't have put it on at the beginning of side one, but it had all the energy that I was missing from Dreamworld. Make yes. sense? I, yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. Given the track list that was on the original album, I actually... I was a little torn for the same reason you were, but I think I would have still gone ahead and made this the album opener. But I have to say, I, I just prefer the TV version so much more to this one. I mean, it's it's a decent enough rearrangement, but the horns, I don't know, it's just a little... It, it, it's a, Schmaltzy. The, they went a little over the top on the horns. Yeah. And also, I, I say this with all love and affection and respect to Mickey Dolenz and his prowess, but this is not his best vocal. There are a couple of points in the chorus where he actually even goes a little flat. Overall, this is a solid song. I look at it, he did the best with what he was given. I think that's a right. very good assessment, yes. Christine? The opening, that breathy, weird instrumentation... Uh, it, you mean the... It, <laughs> that yes! Yeah. yeah. It reminds me, you, nobody else may get this, but it reminds me of Mac Davis. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew if anybody got it, you would. That <laughs> and Ray <laughs> Stevens. <laughs> yes. There's some <laughs> definite... You know, oh my God. <laughs> As I mentioned on the last episode, this album had come after Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And I think we see the influence of the Beatles here on the next two tracks. The poster is kind of like for the benefit of Mr. Kite, in a sense. And Davy does get a songwriting credit. And it's, it's to me, a, a cool attempt. I know that some fans don't like it, but it's better than a lot of things I've heard. And, Sarah, your thoughts on the poster? 
Well, it's just kind of random. I see where they're going from with the post-Sergeant Pepper's benefit for Mr. Kite thing, and I try to give it sort of extra credit on that. The vocal's fine. I don't think it's anything to write home about. I will often say that just about anything can, in theory, sound like a monkey song, but this, I, I don't know, this doesn't sound like a monkey song for whatever reason. I don't know if it's just that they're trying too hard to sound like Sgt. Pepper's or it's just the fact that Davy's the only monkey involved in the track. I, mm. I don't know. It's still a decent song. It's, it's still okay. But uh, I definitely would rank it my lowest on side two. Christine. Yeah, I would say that it's probably my least favorite on side two. But having said that, I still, here's where I revert back to my tween age self and remember that the song tickled my fancy. It paints a nice mm-hmm. visual. It was perfect for, you know, an 11 year old girl to imagine, oh, going to the circus and, and with Davy Jones. And this is really yeah. cool. As my musical consciousness uh, expanded, definitely the thematic similarities to Benefit of Mr. Kite. Uh, you know, it, it endeared the track to me. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't hate it, but it's it's not my favorite. Birds, Bees, and Monkeys is one of the albums that I actually did not own until my late teens. This was not one of the ones that I had when I was a little kid. So I never actually heard this, uh, this song until I was like, I don't know, 19. And I have a feeling that like you, if I had heard this when I was... 10 and 11 and in the throes of of the Davy crush that almost every 10 year old has I probably would have more of a sentimental connection to it because it's a cute little song Mm -hmm. and our monkey's mailbag theme song P.O. Box 9847 Christine well I I love the fact that this is a um, voice and heart song it sounds very different to me than other voice and heart tunes Mm -hmm. and so when I when I first became aware that that was one of their songs it it was surprising to me i really like this song i like the oddball thematic tracks that yep. the monkeys did whether it's shorty blackwell or rosemary or the next song we're about to discuss something titled p.o box 9847 when i first saw that i was like what mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, i i enjoy the track a lot I really wish that Auntie's Municipal Court was on the same side as the poster. Ooh. You, you understand where that. I'm coming from? Yeah. The, the, like, it would have been more trippy. But then again, yeah, this is where I feel you like... you take a trip thing, yeah. Yeah. This is where I feel like we were made for each other really bogs the album down because everything else on this mm-hmm. album pretty much has a trippy kind of thing. I mean, you might argue Valerie does or does not, but it seemed like Mike and Mickey... And everybody, and even Davey, were trying to get a little trippy with this album. Then it's it's brought down by We Were Made For Each Other. For me. For me. Mm-hmm. For me. But that was last episode, so turn the page. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Magnolia Sims, a song that has irritated me throughout my life. And oh. When I say irritate, you have to understand, as a kid, I couldn't understand what was going on with the one channel <laughs> instrumentation <laughs> and everything and the skip the first thing i did when i got editing software was make a stereo version of magnolia sims which was actually glorified mono but i just expanded mm-hmm. the track so it was on both sides right and i was happy and then rhino released that on the, the big set so mm-hmm. i was so glad i was so glad but i love this song love it love it love it love it love it christine i love everything about this track just the way it was released 
again, it's pulling from my own worldview where I was at the time, right? So keeping in mind that I am a child of some older parents, my dad actually sang with Lawrence Welk before he went out to California and did his show. I'm steeped in musical theater and really, really old standards from the 20s and the 30s -hmm. and so forth. Put in there that I am a nerd about uh, music history and the evolution of recording and all of the, the nuts and bolts technical kind of stuff, right? The fact that Mike was channeling Rudy Valley. Mm-hmm. And that he was hearkening back to singing through the megaphone into a microphone, right? Mm-hmm. That just captured my imagination and touched a place in my heart that was so familial, not familiar, mm-hmm. familial. I, I can't say enough about this song. It's one of my favorite Mike songs. Yeah, and where you hear Rudy Valley, I hear like Bob Wills and Hank mm. Williams Sr. And, you know, yes. kind of that yodely sound. Well, I mean, that's Absolutely. kind of what I was steeped in growing up. This is so much better a musical experiment than writing wrongs. It came out so much better. The other thing about Magnolia Sims is to me it foreshadows Rio. Yes. Up next, Valerie, Sarah. If they hadn't messed with the arrangement from the TV version, I probably would have given the nod to Valerie instead of 9847 as far as my favorite track on this side. That said, I think this survived the re-recording process a lot better than Back Upon My Feet. It's solid. Uh, I really like this one. Uh Christine? I can't get into the album version versus show version too much. They both do it for me because of that beautiful guitar work and Davy's mm-hmm. just full on delivery of the of the lyrics. I dig this track a lot. I've always enjoyed this track and I always knew there was something different about it when I was a kid at times and now thanks to Andrew Sandoval and everybody else and all the different versions we've seen. Now I knew I wasn't crazy as a child. There were different versions that I heard. So, <laughs> Right, right. Yep. And of course, Zor and Zam. And my memories of this song really have a lot to do more with the TV show than anything else. What a great track. I love this track. I love the theme, first of all. That That is just me encapsulated, right? They gave a war and nobody came. Love it, love it, love it. I also love Mickey's delivery. I love the arrangement. This is Grace Slick, right? (laughs) Mm. I hear White Rabbit. I hear, I I could hear Mickey doing White Rabbit and I could hear Grace Slick doing Zoran Zam. And I I love this song. Yeah, that that would be a great idea to have Grace Slick sing it. Sarah? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think the song is a testament to how a monkey's tune can use horns well. Sometimes they almost drown out. In some of these arrangements of other songs on this album, especially, the horns can sometimes overwhelm everything else. But this, it's very much, this arrangement is very much in service to the song. And I love it. And I can't listen to it without just seeing the romp from um, Michikogio play out. It's so strong. And yes. It's legend, yeah. if you will. Well, yeah. let's get our popcorn and our snacks, and let's listen to Jeff Hewlett, Melinda Gildart, David Ghosty Timmers, and Jeff Geringer as they discuss side two of Birds, the Bees, the Monkeys proper. But before they take it away, we're going to play our mega mix of side two, like we did on the last episode. Is there tea? No. Ooh. 
Quarter back up and we are ready to go so everybody ready so we're going to count down and we'll start up and three two one <laughs> hello again monkeys fans and welcome to part two of our zilch coverage of the monkeys fifth studio album the birds the bees and the monkeys if you haven't caught the first part please head over to the zilch website or itunes and have a listen and then join back up with us so you missed a a great time with a fantastic panel who just happened to be back again to continue the conversation starting to my right with mr jeff garinger you know i got pretty bloody there the first side of the album so i'm hoping to come back in side number two and 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 win more people over all right continuing around the table mr ghosty timbers well Am I on your right, too? On your left? Well, it depends. You're going clockwise or counterclockwise? I'm in another state, but okay, never mind. Sure, I'm here. (laughs) What are they doing? What's my line? It was was to my left, right? And to my left is Arlene Francis? Yeah. Well, guys, just just so the audience knows, we are sitting at a United States of America-shaped table. So... uh... Oh, okay. Well, Dorothy (laughs) Kilgallen is on my left, and uh, Mm. Bennett Cerf is, yeah, sure. All right. So last but never, never least, Melinda Gildard is back. Hey y'all, I'm back. How you doing? I'm doing great. All right. Melinda's my partner in crime. We agree on everything. Yes, Ghosty. <laughs> Except for maybe side two. We're gonna find out. Oh boy. So we got six more tracks, but before we get into these six tracks, let's refresh the audience on some of our overall feelings uh on the albums or on side two. 
as a whole and what we're about to talk about. Last time, uh, in case anybody hasn't heard, I did state that this album is currently my favorite Monkeys album and uh, wasn't always catapulted to this position after the Rhino 2010 Handmade box came out and just absolutely blew me away and I wound up falling in love with this album all over again and the the, the beautiful layered stunningly produced soundscapes uh, among a lots of other things so as a quick recap ghosty where do you stand on this record it's i like i said last time a poor man's pisces but with some standout tracks and an album that could have been improved i believe with some substitutions and resequencing fascinating we'll, we'll hit that up when we get down to the bottom of this uh, episode jeff g a uh, quick recap on your thoughts I think it's an amazing album and how one album can have one of the tour de force performances of the monkeys and one of the worst songs ever on the same album. <laughs> oh, it's, it's on. I know which, which one you're talking about. It's on Jeff. <laughs> you know what? This is so funny because, uh, you know, Jeff G said that at the beginning of the last part of this. And I swore the song he was going to pick was in the first half of this record. So I am so beside myself that any one of the songs on this half of the record would be the song that he's talking about right now. So I'm going to be stunned by this yeah. when we get there. You will I'm, be stunned. I'm right, I'm right there with you because I'm, I thought for sure it had to be something on side one. I was betting on writing wrongs. I, I really was. Um, but wow, I, I am way wrong apparently. So uh, I'm going to brace myself. And uh, in the meantime, we'll go to Melinda for a quick refresher on her position on this record. Um an album that has several different personalities with them fighting each other at <laughs> every step of the way. So it's, it, it literally cannot be one of my top albums, but it's not at the bottom either. There are some standout tracks, but there are too many lows for me to just listen to it in one sitting. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, you know, I am so eager to find out what this song Jeff Garringer is talking about is. We're just going to jump <laughs> jump right into track number seven, which is the first track on this side. I'll Be Back Upon My Feet, written by Sandy Linzer and Denny Randell. Uh, lead and backing vocals by Mickey Dolenz. And again, another one of those tracks that has so many instruments in it. Guitars, harpsichords, bass, drums, percussion, tambourine, saxophone, trumpet, trombone. Another arrangement by Shorty Rogers. Recorded on March 9th and 14th in 1968 in Hollywood, California. This is one of two songs on this record that had been recorded earlier and were re-recorded for this record. So the, the first version, uh, the first Monkees version of the song was recorded on October 26th of 1966. So, um, you know, a year and a half or so earlier. And it, the original version of the song appeared on two Monkees episodes, Dance, Monkey, Dance, and Monkees in the Ring, both of which uh, we've done Zilch Color Cast commentaries for on previous episodes. And I think in one of them, I stated uh, that I remember hearing this song uh, on one of those episodes in the eighties during the resurgence on MTV and being really confused as to why it was so different than the one I had heard on the album that my uncle had played for me. And I was scratching my head. I had no idea at the time that was before I started getting into monkeys lore. 
Um, slated for release on more of the monkeys, didn't wind up getting an official release until 1990's Missing Links Volume 2, billed as a television version. So uh, the version here on this album is quite different, uh, featuring an extra chord change as well as some additional brass, among other things. So let's see here. We'll throw it to Melinda first. Your thoughts? They should have left the TV version alone. <gasps> there was no, there was nothing wrong with it. The TV version rocks. And just on a, another note, aside from AM Court on, on side one, this is the first real appearance by Mickey solo. And it's just, why did we have to wait so long to hear from Mickey? You know, I'm just, again, you know, and a municipal court, you know, that was with Mike, but solo vocal performance by Mickey, it's, we have to get to side two and it's this. It's not a bad song. I just like the TV version a lot better and it did not need all the horns and all these other instruments. It was just a fine pop song the way it was. Hmm. Interesting. I'll throw it out there that I actually used to prefer the older TV version as well. And here, here I am with my broken record moment, pun intended. Uh, <laughs> when the Handmade Box came out and I heard this, this the, the remastered version of this on there, I just absolutely fell in love with this arrangement of it. So I still love the TV version too. I, I'm, I'm, I love both of them. And uh, I, I love the fact that this was the the start to the second side of the album, especially after you know you just got done listening to Writing Wrongs. You flip the record over and you're right back in the Monkees pop era. So um, let's see. Ghosty, what are your thoughts on I'll Be Back Up On My Feet? Melinda, I have to break away from you <gasps> because, no. because I know that I'm in the minority when I say that I prefer this re-recording to the 1966 original. And for a few reasons. One, the intro to this, the drums and bass are so funky. Yeah, man. This is like, this is like, you know, a funk on a Beatles come together level. Yeah. And it is just an incredible vocal from Mickey, but that's redundant because Mickey always knocks it out of the park. I love when the horns come in. Me too. Uh, it's, it's so simple and so clean. And to me, when those horns come in, it it's like the greatest commercial for lemon scented pledge <laughs> ever. I just imagine a nice clean 60s kitchen floor. What a strange analogy to make. But that's what I envision. Just, uh, just super. I something to do with scrubbing. It's this weird sound <laughs> that goes on in the percussion. This like, uh, 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 whatever that is. Yeah. I love it. I, I love never the could sound figure out it. what that was. Yeah, I was always mystified by that. But I love that you describe the horns as clean because I always felt uh, when I listened to this on that handmade, I couldn't believe how crystal clear those horns yes. were. It's so gorgeous. I met the the fact that they could capture them and then reproduce that sound so beautifully. It, it amazes me. Uh, Jeff Garringer, thoughts on this track? Well, I would have to be like Kevin Duran and jump sides here. <gasps> uh, I love this song. I nice. really do. I, I I liked I liked it when it was on television. I liked the album version. I didn't really notice as a kid that there was that much difference to it. But you know, as I've gotten older, I, I love the studio version. I think this could have been a single record. I I think yep. that highly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it it really takes you back to the fun of the TV show. Stop it, Melinda. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, uh, she's ganging up on me. Are, are we going to get a rebuttal here from Melinda? 
it's no when when i hear I the not. song when i hear the song i just think about the the, uh, the romp from dance monkey dance and oh, and that's really? where my mind goes to try to forget this version that's on the album <gasps> wow. oh man Oof. <laughs> well i'll tell you i i am i am going to cringe more and more as we get through these tracks wondering if the next one I know is the Jeff Garringer special because I, I, I'm I'm sweating right now. You can't see me because this is an, an audio only podcast, but I am sweating going into track eight. The and know poster. that I've been holding my tongue for the longest time because about oh a year ago we did the monkey singles as a roundtable. Yes, and we stopped early. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Fair enough. Oh boy. Oh, was that? Oh, okay. All right. I'm ignoring that. I'm not going to go with what my brain is saying. And we're going to start talking about track number eight, the poster, written by Davy Jones and Steve Pitts. Uh, lead and backing vocals by Davy Jones. And let's see, we got guitars, organ, bass, drums, glockenspiel, percussion, tambourine, trumpet, trombone, saxophone, woodwinds, and a violin, or multiple violins. Another arrangement by Shorty Rogers. And let's see, recorded February 15th and 17th of 1968 in Hollywood, California. love Davy's vocals on this and uh, don't get mad at me out there uh, Beatle fans I kind of always felt like this was almost an homage to uh, to Mr. Kite in a way yep absolutely uh, that's something that I love about this I love the chorus I love the inclusion of the glockenspiel like, it gives it like a cool circusy calliope feel I love the drums the horns it's it, the arrangement is gorgeous especially during the chorus and I love that this is such a different subject matter for a monkey song. I mean, you know, who sings about, uh, you know, Big Top Circus? And Davey has his beloved horses, of course, in this song. So it's, it's great. Jeff G., uh, I'm cringing here calling on you first. <laughs> no, you know, this song is okay. It, it, to me, it doesn't sound like a monkey's record. It sounds more like something that would, I, I would call it British Invasion, but that tends to mean the Beatles. And I mean, you know, more like Gary and the Pacemakers and yeah, okay. Dave Clark Five. It, it kind of has an, an English twine to it but it's it's an okay song i mean i like it it's it's you know it's a great album filler but nothing that's gonna make my top five hmm. okay so this this wasn't the song so we're carrying a ghosty your thoughts on the poster i totally agree with you in terms of being for the benefit of mr kite it's sort of like the bubblegum version of that yes and and what i, I like know. about it I, what i like thank you what i like about um davy's vocal on this there's something about a kind of Dickensian 19th century vibe that Dave Davey is able to sell. Um, You know, he's not singing about the circus coming to town in 1967. He's talking about the circus in 1867. And there are certain Davy Jones songs where I get the feeling that he's almost reaching back into a time period, you know, that he's familiar with, with Oliver. Right. So this is like a sort of like an Oliver uh, holdover. I I love this song. I I don't think it's the, one of the greatest on this album, but I love it. And you know, for me, 
it would be second to Daydream Believer in terms of. Uh, mm, oh yeah, no, yeah, all right, third, <laughs> third to Daydream <laughs> Believer. Uh, Melinda, your thoughts on the poster? I've been patiently waiting for my turn to talk about the poster. <laughs> I love this record. Yeah. I love this record. Yay. Absolutely love it. The first time I heard it, I put it on repeat for at least another another hundred plays. It's just I <laughs> no one breathing cannot be affected by the hook in this yes. record. You sing this for 10 years. It is just I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You, you, I, I just can't hold it in. I love this. <laughs> <laughs> this is I don't give a damn about the, the, the Beatles callback. I, I don't care about any of that. This is a great Davy tune. It makes you happy. That's what mm-hmm. he does. He makes you happy. And you sing along and you wish you were at the freaking circus with him. You know, that's, that's what... <laughs> <laughs> it is just absolute blasphemy that this was not used in the reruns for Monkeys in the Circus TV episode. Yeah, How the, the hell? hell could they... <laughs> it's a good point. That's a good point. I, I, I agree with you. I love that... Um, that 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 chorus is just incredible, and I remember when I heard this song early on when I was a kid. I swore I had heard it before. The chorus sounded so familiar to me, even though I know I hadn't heard it. But it is such a familiar sound. There's something about it. I will just say, um, I'll just add that there are some people who might not be Monkeys fans, but they'll say with a song like this, you know, they'll say, Davey, you know, sometimes his vocals are so piercing and they're kind of nasal. And I would say, you know what, to me, it's not piercing enough. Like mm. it, it's, it's absolutely perfect. Just yeah. the way he's got this, this street urchin sound is yeah. really the best way to put it. I agree completely. Melinda, you agree? Absolutely. And thank you so much, <laughs> Jeff G for not hating it. <laughs> Oh, my I'm getting. I'm still getting scared. I'm Me too. I know which one he's. I know which one he's going after. I, know. I love, and I'm. I'm I getting ready it. for battle. Hard, hard, hard to talk bad about Davey. Oh, all right. Okay. Hmm. All right. So we've got. Well, we've got a handful of tracks left here, and one of them. I don't know which one it's going to be. My brain says a couple different ones now, but uh, we'll move on to track nine, PO Box nine eight four seven. This is our. Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart track on this album. Uh, lead vocal by Mickey Dolenz, uh, electric guitars, bass, tack piano, drums, percussion, violins, viola, cello, marxophone, tabla. Uh, arrangement by Don McGinnis, although credited to the Monkey Song was produced by Boyce and Hart. And recorded in California, Hollywood, California, on December 26, 67, and February 10th of 68. You know, I think this is another interesting song on this album. I think this sets this album apart a bit from previous Monkey albums. And I still like that Mickey gets to be himself vocally, but he's paired with kind of a really quirky and strange arrangement. And I was listening to this a couple times earlier this week to prepare for this. And this is another one of those instances where I started to think to myself, you know, the, the, the lyric of the song is a bit dated because it's really about a personal lab. So I was thinking to myself, what would this song be like if it was rewritten today for the Tinder online dating generation? <laughs> How would we have to change the lyrics to make it socially relevant today? But <laughs> I didn't come up with an answer to that. 
But um, maybe Ghosty has an opinion. Well, this song, much like the last track we talked about, is also another Beatles callback. And it's interesting because I think two Boyce and Hart songs reference Paperback Writer or were inspired right. by Paperback Writer. You've Last Train to Clarksville, obviously, the guitar mm -hmm. riff. And, you know, Last Train to Clarksville, they, they heard Paperback Writer, the fade, and they thought the Beatles were singing about a last train instead of a paperback. Here, you've got the same kind of setup in the, the verse of somebody writing a letter. You know, paperback writer is dear sir or madam. Will you, you know, it's the same kind of thing. This is not as strong a song, mm. but I like it. You know, it's sort of kind of a mellow version of that. Not you know, more laid back sort of paperback writer meets a most peculiar man by Simon and Garfunkel, um, with a bit of Randy Scouse git when it goes into the chorus. All of yeah. a sudden, the chorus is hitting you over the head. And how can you not like the the, the song that provides the jingle for? Zilch and listener mail. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe when we get to Jeff Garringer, this might be the song. But before we get there, Melinda, thoughts on PO Box nine eight four seven? Wong wong. Oh. Okay. <laughs> no. The the version that uh, is on the uh, box set with the Moog synthesizer is mm. ten times better. Uh, it's ten times better, but it's still not a favorite. I don't hate it, but I don't like it either. And hmm. um, believe me, when I'm listening to the podcast and that, <laughs> I, I cringe. <laughs> so, yes, oh, man. that one person in, in, in Ziltland that's cringing is me <laughs> each and every time. But, well, uh, you know what? I do, I do like the, the Moog synthesizer version a little better, I have to admit. It's more tolerable, but overall, if, if I'm going to listen to a song about classified ads, and I like the Pina Colada song better. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. oh, Rupert Holmes, where are you now? Jeff Garringer, you've been very, very quiet. I, you know what? Uh, Ghosty took most of my thunder here. In the same, we had the same notes comparing it to Paperback Writer. It is very Beatlesque. The reverse cymbal sound, it, it, it sounds, you know, something right out yep. of Sgt. Pepper. Mm. And I don't, they're not using a sitar. They don't credit a sitar, but there's something similar to that that's doing that sound at the beginning of the record that, that just has that, you know, Middle Eastern feel to it. I, I think it's a cool track. I've always liked P.O. Box 90847. And I won't tell you what password I use it for because you'll steal all my money. <laughs> I nice. think you just did. <laughs> nah, nothing important. All right, great. I yeah, I I always I I enjoy this track. I do though. I do agree with Melinda. It's not my favorite track on the album. Um, I do really. I I enjoy the alternate version as well. But um, I'm I'm glad this wasn't the song that you were gonna hone in on, Jeff. No sir. All right. I think I know. I think I know which one it is now. Well, I, it, yeah. it's getting it's getting slim. Uh, the pickings are getting slim. <laughs> uh, there's only a handful, a couple tracks left here. What well, you got? Three more tracks. So we've got. Uh, we're moving on to track ten. Magnolia Sims. One, two, three. <clears throat> That's one of those days.
Written by Mike Nesmith, lead vocal and guitar by Mike Nesmith. We got the Tack Piano by Paul T. Smith, bass by Max Bennett, drums Earl Palmer, trumpet, and trombone woodwinds uh, recorded at Hollywood, California, December 2nd, 1967. So I did say, I think I said this in the first half, that I did have one criticism that I would levy at this album. And this is the song that I will actually levy that criticism to. And it's not that I don't like the song, but it is that I far, far prefer the clean version that was included in the handmade box set without the pops and crackles and ticks and stuff. I I knew where I get where they were going with it. I I get the whole old timey feel and, and I appreciated it. But after hearing the unaltered version that was on the, the handmade set, there's so much beauty in there that I felt it was just a shame to lose all of that. So I will actually confess that I've swapped this version in and I swapped the original version out when I listened to the album. I, I crucify me if you want. Melinda, your thoughts. Um, I agree. Ooh. I think there's a, an acoustic version on the box set. And um, I, I think that that was pretty cool. Uh, this version Listening to it in mono makes it a little bit better. It, it's not a bad song. It, it it can't be. It's it's not a bad song, but the novelty of it, it wouldn't have made my released album. You know, I, I would have threw it on the B side or or just made it a bonus track in the CDH. But I'm not a fan. I don't hate it, and I agree that lyrically it's it's creative. But I just didn't go to the place that Nez was trying to take us, hmm. you know, by putting this out. I, I much prefer Daddy's song if I'm going to listen to, you know, a song with a retro sound. And, you know, and Davey knocked that out of the park. Maybe he could have taken a turn at this, but I, I'm just not in love with it. Hmm. Mr. Jeff Geringer? Well, you know, I, I kind of agree with, with um, Melinda. The yeah. the handmade set makes this song palatable. But let me tell you a little story. Okay. Um, when I was eight years old, we used to have a place called Vern's Magnavox. It was a TV store that was always really dark, and they sold albums. Well, I was, you know, I always saved my money and all my pennies from however I earned money and would go buy my monkey's album. I brought this one home and was playing it. It was okay. And then it got to this song, and it, it skips. Hey, mm. it, it skips. So my mom <laughs> took me back to the store. I gave it to the guy and said, it's tips. Can I, can I get another one? Take the other one home. It still skips. What the hell was Mike thinking? That's what I thought, yeah. I mean, how can you, how can you keep <laughs> listening? Why would, you, why would you want to hear that more than once? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's so, I, I, I don't get it. I, I'm sure I wasn't the only kid who kept taking his record back because it skipped. But I just, I've never understood why he did it when the song is really not bad when you hear it straight through without all the crap in it. All right. You know, if I'm not mistaken, and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Zilch Nation, but I think when Rhino reissued the LPs, there's actually a warning on the back that tells you that it's meant to sound that way. <laughs> I, I have to go dig through my collection, but I think that there was eventually some sort of a, a, a warning put on that the record wasn't actually defective, but... Ghosty, your thoughts on Magnolia Sims? Love it. I love everything about it. I love the fact that it's only in one channel. (laughs) I love the fact that there's the scratchy vinyl sound. I love the skipped. I love the Rudy Toot nature of it. You know, as much as Davey looks back to this kind of Victorian era, Mike is up in Grandma's attic with the Victrola. And, you know, he's gone back to that well and recorded music solo 
that has a bit of that feel as well. And even doing covers of songs that, you know, from the Sons of the Pioneers, like Tumbleweeds and things like that. And I just love everything about this uh, recording. I don't mind the skip. I, I think it's cool. Is it a little bit gimmicky? Yeah, sure. But, you know, it's meant to be a humorous song. And it's, I hate to bring up the B word again, <laughs> but <laughs> the Beatles, Honey Pie, the beginning of Honey Pie has the scratchy record and the skip. I'm thinking, I could be wrong, that perhaps the monkeys got there first with that? I'm trying to look here. Yeah, Honey Pie was recorded October 1968, so it looks yeah. like Nez is ahead of the curve. Now, I will say that if there's anything in the... There was something in the air with this kind of music, because it was only a year prior that Winchester Cathedral right. was a big hit, the, the new vaudeville band. So this kind of Rudy to old-timey music was making a comeback. So if you want to think of it as Nesmith at the vanguard of bringing back a, a dying form of music, you can be, uh, you can join me in your pretentiousness. <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> all right. So we have uh, only two tracks left. So one of these two is, is going to be the bomb that we've been waiting to hear. And uh, so let's move <laughs> on to number 11, Valerie written by Boyce and Hart, uh, lead vocal, Davy Jones, Lots of stuff going on, electric guitars, bass, drums, tambourine, saxophones, trumpets, trombones, uh, arrangement by Don McGinnis again, and uh, recorded in Hollywood, California, December 26th and 28th. version the album version appeared in a monkeys episode the monkeys blow their minds but this is the second song on this album to have had an earlier version that appeared on the monkeys tv show uh, specifically on the episodes captain crocodile and monkeys in manhattan and just as with the original version of i'll be back upon my feet that this version uh that ver the original version of this song would also appear on the 1990 compilation album Missing Links Volume 2 as a quote-unquote television version. So this one is re-recorded and is a little bit different than that original version. So I will throw it to you cautiously first, Jeff Geringer. You know, the the story of this song, because Bobby Hart tells it all the time, is that he and Tommy were hanging around the house and, and Kirshner called. And Don said, do you guys have a song about a girl with a girl's name in the title? And they said, oh, sure we do. We'll bring it over in a half an hour. So in a half an hour, they composed Valerie. Hmm. Valerie is one of the most insipid songs of all time. <laughs> it is the dumbest lyrics. I mean, it sounds like they did it in 30 minutes. We got it, folks. Okay, here's the chorus. <laughs> How do you really feel? Her name is Valerie. Okay, well, let's get to the verse. The verse has got to be better. She's the same little girl who's hanging by my door, but she sure looks different than the way she looked before. Her name is Valerie. <laughs> Again, Valerie. <laughs> the way I kind of look at songs, especially like this, if you took the production away, because the guitar riff is amazing, it is. and the production yeah. is great, if you just have a guy sit down on a piano or a guitar and play Valerie, it's incredibly stupid. And for yes. all the songs that are, you know, part of the Monkey's songbook, you know, uh, The Day We Fell in Love Still Wins for Me is the worst one. 
But boy, this is right up there. Wow. Now I'm envisioning what this song would be like if it was done by like a, a Richard Cheese and a Lounge Lizard type format, like as a as a piano ballad. Now I'm thinking, would <laughs> the lyrics remember, hold up? If you remember in the 60s, it was a big thing for lyricists to print their books are their lyrics as books as like poetry. Paul Williams did it. Yeah. Um, Burt Bacharach did it. So um, imagine the Boyce and Hart one that has Valerie in it. It's going to be like four lines. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I guess we figured out which song. And, you know, Davey, <laughs> he had to, you know, get leopard skin suits to try to perform this song to yeah. make it palatable. I mean, he'd, he'd work his butt off and jump all around the stage and, you know, do his scream real loud and, oh. I just felt so sorry for him trying to sell that puppy every night. Oh, man. <laughs> Ghosty, <laughs> do you agree with Jeff's assessment of Valerie? Okay. I agree. It's not much of a lyric. In fact, it's not much of a song. But who cares? It rocks. Absolutely. You know, and this is one of those situations where the, the first version, because the other part of the story is that DJs, I think somewhere in the South, Chicago. Were, Chicago. Oh, is it Chicago? Chicago okay. Yeah. They were playing it off the, uh, they must have taped it off television and were playing it on the air, which prompted uh, someone like Lester Sill or somebody to say to the monkeys, go into the studio and, you know, cut this so we can rush out a single. I think, yes, it's not much of a song, but, you know, lyrically, Tutti Fruity isn't all that much either. But this is like a cool garage rock song. And, Davey kills it on this song. Yeah. In fact, his scream right before the the instrumental break, that scream he does, that is the sound of Davey Jones taking every garage band from the Pacific Northwest and grinding <laughs> them under his heels. That scream is that is one of the great moments of Davey Jones on record, that scream. Wow. Wow, two completely different uh takes on this song but i you know i i will agree with both of you actually i think the lyrics do leave a lot to be desired but ghosty i i got it that that blistering guitar work yeah. on this track is it's amazing and the horns are are so perfect uh, davy's vocal like i said it's 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 spectacular melinda where do you fall on valerie Valerie is one of my top five monkey songs. Oh. And, and not because <laughs> of the lyrics. Like, don't get me wrong, no, people. Like, I'm not like. that far gone. <laughs> the lyrics are absolutely horrible, but I could give less than a crap. <laughs> right. <laughs> this song rocks. And there's actually three versions. So there is the TV version, the Crocodile, uh, Captain Crocodile version. And then there's the album version. And then there's another version that was in the episode Monkeys Blow Their Minds. And with the cold ending, which appeared on the Listen to the Band uh, box set. So mm. I love all three, but they're like three different moods for me. The first one is just so grungy and stank and just funky. <laughs> you know, it's... it's <laughs> That I mean, I I just love it. It's just so raw. You know, you can really yeah, imagine. The uh, you know, rough on that one. They the are, video. but they're real. Yeah, they're, they're real. Like, like Ghosty said. I mean, it just Davy just chews everybody up and spits them out with that. You know, it's and Louis Shelton. We we'll get there in a minute. But this version, you know, I don't agree with too much that Lester Sill did when you know, he took things over for the Monkees, and I think beefing up the production for this and even adding horns was was perfect it needed to be beefed up in some aspects 
I think where he went wrong is that the horns overpowered some of the guitar and even Davy's vocals at some point. It's like, okay, you added horns, but you know, I don't want to hear horns overshadowing everything else. Pull them back a little further in the mix and, and then it would have been a perfect re-recorded track. But I would say my favorite version is the one with the cold ending. It's you know, it goes back to uh, the first version, the grunginess, you know, it has that rock ending, it no fade. So that's my favorite version. But Louis Shelton, oh my God, you know, my favorite solo from him is on this record. It's far better than the Clarksville riff. I'm sorry it is. And I know that I'll go to hell for saying that, but <laughs> it's just amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely. There's, there's no denying it. No one else can come in and do it. And another no thing else. about this damn song is the video. <laughs> the video that they did for Captain Crocodile. What the hell is Davey doing? All of a sudden he's singing, playing tambourine, and then he starts floating in the air. And then he gets closer to the camera and the guys are behind him. It's just like, what the hell was that? <laughs> the power of rock and roll is levitating Davey. That's yes. What... Yes. <laughs> oh. Well, I never, I didn't think we would get contentious over Valerie. You know, I did. This was not even in the realm of my imagination, Jeff G. When uh, when you said there was one song on this album that you you hated, so uh, you're interested. Threw me for a loop. I hate that song. Okay, well, that wraps up Valerie. <laughs> uh, I guess we'll now move on to the final track of the Birds, the Bees, and the Monkeys, track twelve, Zor. And Zam, written by Bill and John Chadwick, lead vocals by Mickey Dolenz. And man upon man in the dying of dawn, the great war began. song has the most percussion of any monkey song uh, electric guitars bass piano drums gongs timpanis trombones trumpets violins saxophones um, more shorty rogers arrangement so i have a, a particular affinity for this song because it actually appears and i hate to say this before we get to get to the color cast commentary but it's going to be a while before we get there this song is featured in my favorite episode of the monkeys tv show the frodo's caper I absolutely love that episode, so I have an affinity for this song because of that. Recorded in Hollywood, California, January 7th, 13th, 18th, and February 14th and 17th. Seems like a lot of dates for a simple track, but, you know, I this is another one of those examples of I, monkeys telling a story in a song. I love the fact that they're they're kind of laying out a story in front of you and, and giving you a message at the same time. Kind of reminds me of something like Mr. Webster where they're taking you through a scenario. And uh, I love the horn work on this track. I think it gives it an epic kind of warlike feel, especially with the drums on the way out. And I think it's a kind of an ominous closing for the album as a whole. Um, you know, Ghosty, since you talked about swapping this out for writing wrongs as a closer, why don't we start with you first? 
Well, this would be the track right before Writing Wrongs on oh, side two of my right. of my mythical uh, alternate Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys. I love this track. This is Mickey doing his finest Grace Slick impersonation. <laughs> and he sounds, he nails it. I mean, he sounds just like her. Um, of course, the Vietnam War was raging. And this song is a nice allegory for that. You know, there was a popular slogan at the time, and it's used in this lyric, or sort of referenced in this lyric. And, you know, this is the monkeys uh, making their anti-war statement. And, you know, good for them. Hmm. Melinda, your thoughts on Zoran Zan? It would not appear on my final version of this album. (laughs) (laughs) No. So would you swap out Writing Wrongs as the closer for this? I would have replaced this with War Games. Davey oh. kills the vocal on War Games. And I know there were two versions. And, I, you know, they weren't on the original track listing. But I'm sorry. I, I just every time, it, you know, I get to this song, I'm just like, War Games is a 10 times better song than this. And to have Davey singing it, it, it pays homage to Cuddly Toy and Star Collector, where you have, you know, the cute... You know, Davey, the heartthrob, singing these dark lyrics, and you know he's actually singing about something. He's he's, pro, you know, showing that he pro, he's protesting the war, and I think he delivers it better than Mickey could. Not that Mickey gave a bad vocal. It's you know I think he knocked it out of the park as usual. But just as far as the song, the song is better. War Games is ten times better than Zorn Zam. Period. Okay, so Jeff G, your thoughts. Well, for me, Zor Zam is a, is a soundtrack song. You know, it's it's the finale of the Frodo's Caper and the guys climbing up the hill and Rip Taylor making faces when he's getting high. I mean, <laughs> the football high rope uh, alien. You know, it's just it's just a fun little you know soundtrack ditty for me. It's yeah, I, I agree. If I had the option for War Games, then I would. But I understand where it comes from. Yay. <laughs> I understand where it comes from as far as uh, an episode of the TV show. And for that, Zorazam, I think, is perfect as the finale of Rotoscaper. I agree. I, I always love that scene, with kind of the slow-mo climbing up the hill. and the, I thought the song just played perfectly there. I was just going to say, they could have had uh, Zorazam on the A side, War Games on the B side, and had a real daring move for a single. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, only that's if, true. Only if War Games was on the A side. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, could have and been a and David's version, not, not Mike's version. All right. So I guess that brings us to the end of part two of our coverage of the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. I guess we can go around the horn for some final thoughts on side two of the album. Why don't we throw this one over to Ghosty first? What are your thoughts on side two as a whole? Side two for me is a little more, not by much, but a little more coherent than Mm -hmm. side one and a little better programmed as a listening experience. And I think some of the better material is on side. There really aren't any dogs on side two. You know, side one is, is where the problems lie. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Jeff Geringer, thoughts on there's side There's two? dogs, ghost, Ghosty. I'm sorry. There's dogs on side two. <laughs> how, how many listeners of Magnolia Sims can you sit through? I mean, good God. Yes. I love um, it. And, and Valerie, please, please, have, have, I, have I said enough? Now, don't bombard my inbox on Facebook because I don't like Valerie. <laughs> I, I love Davey. I'm sitting right now looking at a picture of me and Davey. He's, he's my favorite monkey. I love him. I just don't like Valerie. 
Fair enough. That's a crime against humanity, Jeff. <laughs> I know. Well, <laughs> uh, Melinda, take us home. I can't say whether side two was better than side one or not. They both had some serious dogs, uh, but definitely some high <laughs> points. Um, but, you know, reaching back to Daydream Believer, I mean, they recorded it in June of 67. And, you know, the album came out in April of 68. You know, we've heard it before. I would have buried it on side two and made people listen to the newer material first. Good point. Interesting, interesting synopsis there. So, guys, I guess we are done with our coverage of the birds, the bees, and the monkeys. But I'll throw this out there. Is is everybody uh, up for coming back for head soon? Oh, of course. <laughs> sure. <laughs> But you know what? Can I mention my fantasy version of Birds, Bees, and the Monkeys? Oh, absolutely. How could I skip that? Go for All it. Right. Well, in compiling this fantasy version, hmm. I'm not going with songs that appeared on box sets or missing links. As much as fun as that is to do, I just don't think it's realistic for the time. Hmm. So instead, considering this is the last of the TV soundtrack era albums, this is my lineup. Okay, side one. Opens with Tapioca Tundra. Mm -hmm. So we have that trifecta of count-ins on albums. Into The Girl I Knew Somewhere. Ah, interesting. N not on an album. Seems yep. odd for right, it not to right. be on a record. Yeah. That goes into Auntie's Municipal Court. They mm -hmm. have the same kind of guitar sound. Followed by Daydream Believer. Mm -hmm. Going Down. Nice. I mean, it, it was Beautiful. out there. It should have been on an album. And Valerie. Sorry, Jeff. That's right. side one. <laughs> Side two, and I know Jeff G, and listen, this is all about like what was out there and hadn't been collected on a record. Side two opens with a little bit me, a little bit you. All right. Reaching oh, nice. reaching back. Okay. But it hadn't been on an album. Mm -hmm. Into I'll Be Back Upon My Feet, into P.O. Box 9847, Magnolia Sims, Zoran Zam, and Writing Wrongs. One of the weirdest, darkest, uh, the album gets weird and dark towards the end. Huh. Uh, collecting up the, the random cuts that had been released as singles, but had yet, not yet made an album. And I feel like this would have been the perfect place to put them. I agree. The, all, all That's, of a, great songs, That's a great yeah. list. That's a great list. Yeah. I, yeah. All those songs deserve to make it on an album, uh, especially going down. I could never yeah. for the life of me understand why going down did not make it on an album. It's such an incredible, incredible song. And Mickey just destroys it. And if you notice, we got rid of dream world and we were made for each other. <laughs> I, I was and, biting and my tongue. <laughs> I was biting my yeah, tongue. Yeah, but you put in uh, a little bit me, a little bit you. So there you go. I say we, I say we push the disc and and we push it so that we cut as far into the uh, the the uh, the inner ring as we can to fit those other two songs in. You know, if Todd Rundgren, Todd Rundgren could do it on his LPs and max them out, so we could definitely do it on this one. Well, I just realized something. I forgot to put in the poster. <gasps> you oh my can't. God, I know. Did. So forget it. Forget the whole thing. <laughs> forget the whole thing. Forget Actually, why don't we? Why don't we do a Jeff Geringer? We'll swap out Valerie for the poster. There you go. Everybody yeah, can swap you out the song they don't like. Throw the poster in it. Put okay. Valerie on the backside of Daydream Believer and give Going Down a proper presentation. Uh, uh, so Zilch Nation, if you would be so kind, throw up your ideal playlist uh, for this record if you're if you're in agreement with ghosty that you could you would rearrange it and see it tell us where the poster would fall for you <laughs> and please don't remove both of those davy songs for my sake <laughs> 
So, all right, guys, <laughs> thanks so much for being here. I am so looking forward to uh, Head in the very near future. Uh, Ghosty, uh, where can people find you online? Well, you can find me over on Facebook. No. Just look, yeah, that's right, where you can find Zilch. And, you know, just look for David Ghosty Wills. And, you know, uh, I post pictures of celebrities that are long since dead. And you can uh, like them. I can attest to that. I see them all yeah. the time from you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, Mr. Jeff Garinger, people are looking for you. Can they find you somewhere online? Yeah, maybe I shouldn't pass this out. You know, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm afraid, <laughs> afraid all these Valerie lovers are going to say, what? What the uh, hell is wrong with you? No, but I'm like Ghosty M Facebook too. Ah, so, well, you know what? I I'm right there with you because I got a lot of blowback on my opinions of Sunny Girlfriend. So uh, I, I know your fear. <sighs> very well uh melinda <laughs> where can people find you i'm on facebook too and 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 yeah i'm i'm a little bit afraid to say that <laughs> uh zilch monkeys fan zilch nation thanks again for listening and we will be back with you again very very soon goodbye everybody goodbye, goodbye. so long <laughs> We want to thank Jeff Hewlett, Jeff Geringer, Melinda Gildart, and David Ghosty Wills for their excellent take on side two. Now, I'm going to throw something out here. Okay. I'll try to catch it. Yeah. Now, you know how I've talked about Dream World not being a favorite opener, right? And I've also mm -hmm. talked about this framed as under the shadow of Sgt. Pepper, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I feel that some of the attempts on this album were of a similar nature. Imagine mm -hmm. if Dreamworld's lyrics would have been, why don't you come into my dream world, but it's not real. Hmm. And they could have set it up that every story on this album was part of the dream world. That's excellent. Interesting. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, so... Born too late, Ken. Yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah. But in my head, this is a concept album, whether it is or not. I'm just, I know I'm crazy, but if you think about it, the stage is kind of set. And when, when you been. really listen to what Mike was trying to do, and even Davey on the poster, and it's just mm -hmm. a lot of those songs are story songs. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay something out here. We have on a day in the life where the alarm bell rings, mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. same thing happens in Daydream Believer. Right. Yep. Ooh, Whereas the Beatles true. were like, you know, I've got to get to work and uh, worrying about the man who, you know, who, who blew his mind down in a car. Davy's just happy to be with the woman he loves. So true. it's kind of the upside of it. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, that's just me being weird. And it's something I excel at. Thank you. <laughs> so we hope that you enjoyed this episode of Zilch. Like I said, happy third Zilch anniversary to you. And we hope that you stick around because we've got a lot more to do. More Monkeys Color Cast commentary. More cool monkey stuff coming. We honestly believe that there's, this is going to be a great year. Whether it's from 7A or seeing Mickey live or Peter Tork's album that he may be working on. And we also have that date of Peter Torx coming up. So please, we want to encourage you to, to check the guys out live. And don't forget to buy Infinite Tuesday. We are living in an embarrassment of riches as Monkeys fans. And you need to stop for a second 
and realize that this TV show slash band that everybody made a joke of is still going in some way, some form. And we support the guys, we support Rhino, we support 7A, and all the other Monkeys-related podcasts. We want to just say thank you for everything, and it's, it's just great being along for the ride. Yep. Thank you for giving us stuff to talk about. Th- mm-hmm. Thanks for joining us in our dream world is what I was going to say. Well, there you Ooh, go. I like that one. <laughs> Why don't you come into my dream world? But it's not It's totally real. real. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, but it's totally real. There you go. Once again, happy Zilchiversary. I know that I'm going to be busy. Uh, it was my birthday yesterday, and today Christine is coming down. And it's going to be great. Plus, we got the new Sgt. Pepper's Deluxe six-disc box set. So I know what I'll be doing this weekend. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we will see you on the next episode of Zilch. See ya. Bye. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. At Deep Dish Radio, we know that choosing the right podcast is an important lifestyle decision. We know you want to be cool. We know how important it is to be in the in-crowd. That's why our team covers the globe to bring you fabulous interviews with guests as diverse as Grammy-nominated songwriter Bobby Hart, Sissy from Family Affair, and that girl from Land of the Lost. I'm Tim Powers, and I'm the host of Deep Dish Radio, and let's be honest, I'm not as famous as Mark Maron, and I don't have the support of NPR like Terry Gross, so I'm not going to get Beyonce, whoever she is. But what I will do is introduce you to authors, cartoonists, songwriters, musicians, comedians, and friends of mine. It's Deep Dish Radio, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Ken Mills. And I'm Courtney Cronendold. And we're from... Pop! A pop culture podcast. Courtney, what do we talk about on Pop? talk about everything from the love boat to the billion dollar person <laughs> i can't believe i said that i you know i guess it's with inflation the six million dollar man is worth what how many trillion now right the million dollar person i mean what the f- that's a great that's my favorite show is the million dollar person if you love pop culture and you love having fun that's really what the show's about having fun and pop culture Join the conversation. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash pop podcast. Find us on iTunes or at poppodcast.blogspot.com. You can find us on Instagram at pop podcast. P-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. I'm not hip enough for Instagram. Oh, hot, hot.
what's this? We Want the Monkeys podcast is on Zilch? Hello America, this is Dave the Avon Lady. What you are hearing is correct. We Want the Monkeys, your second favorite monkeys podcast, is joining Zilch. This mega merger of epic proportions will rock the monkey world down to its very core. Soon, you will be able to enjoy the history of the monkeys on Zilch. You have been listening to We Want the Monkeys on iTunes. Now you can hear it right here. Hashtag Zilch Nation for life. Hi, I'm Megan from Same Page Cast. And I'm Craig from Same Page Cast. Hey, Craig, where do you yes. go when you want to hear the latest monkeys news? Oh, come on, I go to Zilch. Of course, Zilch. And if you're looking for even more monkeys content, you can find us at Same Page Cast on the Pods and Sods Network at iTunes. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hello, Skywalkers. Listen. Hey, hey, Zilch Nation! Are you looking for a fun-filled Star Wars and Disney podcast? Well, if you answered yes, then join me, Richard Woloski, and my sweetie wife, Sarah, on Skywalking Through Neverland. We are the family-friendly Star Wars and Disney podcast that brings you entertaining stories from creators and fans. And we are also big monkey fans, too, so of course we have to slip in some monkey stories and interviews like our discussion with director James Frawley. We also would go to the beach, for example, with the four boys, and I would just say, okay, roll down the hill. (laughs) Do a funny walk. Did you create the monkey walk? Yeah, I mean, we did it together. You can hear us every week. We are Skywalking Through Neverland, wherever podcasts are played, and at skywalkingthroughneverland.com. We look forward to having you in our Skywalker family. And always remember, Neverland on Alderaan. For Mammoth Studios. I get that now. (laughs) Hi, Zilch fans. This is Melanie Mitchell. Be sure to check out my book, Monkey Magic, a book about a TV show about a band. It's a lighthearted review and companion for the TV show that made the 60s fun. The paperback is available online from Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And the ebook can be bought anywhere that fine ebooks are sold. Check out the Monkey Magic Facebook page, follow me on Tumblr at bluemoonalto.tumblr.com, and listen for my contributions here on Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Hey, hey, ape fans! Did you know that there were not just one, but two Planet of the Apes TV series broadcast in the 1970s? a live-action series in 1974, and an animated series in 1975. And if you're an ape fan who wants to catch up on these series to a fun-filled podcast, then tune in to Talking Apes TV, where we break down each episode with ergotastic conversations. That's right, they are ergotastic until we break into arguments because we don't always see things ape to ape. (laughs) That's because you're always seeing vampires and pigs in with the gorillas, chimpanzees, and zayuses. Every time I watch them, I always see something new. And of course, where you find apes, you find monkeys! There are so many crossovers between the Monkeys and the Planet of the Apes TV series that we even had our podcast composer write this very special jingle. Hey, hey, we're the apes, and people say we monkey around, but we took over the planet, so don't try to keep us down.
You can catch Talking Apes TV every month at skywalkingthroughneverland.com and retrozap.com. And visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash TV. Now go ape. You know, the word oldies isn't a dirty word. Not in my book, anyway. Hey, this is Ghosty. How would you like to listen to a radio show that spins top hits, lost gems, and then some from the glorious years between 1955 and 1972? One that features interviews with the likes of Julie Newmark, John Sebastian, Al Jardine, Mickey Dolenz, Don Wells, David Cassidy, Angela Cartwright, Bill Medley, Ronnie Spector, Connie Stevens, and many more. Well, the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop is on the air every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 89.1 WFDU-FM. That's in the uh, New York, New Jersey area. You can also listen to it live online by going to WFDU.FM. But there's an even easier way for you folks who aren't in the New York, New Jersey area and don't want to have to get up at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on a Sunday morning. You can listen to it anytime you want just by clicking the handy links over on our Facebook page. So go on to Facebook. You're probably already on Facebook. Look for the Vintage Rock and Pop Shop. Like it, live it, love it. And thanks.